Chapter Twelve of the Diamond Pin by Carolyn Wells. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Twelve, in Chicago. The three looked at one another in consternation. Hughes said it was unsafe. Chapin remarked. He said you didn't remember to pull down the shades in this room when you hid the pin, Iris. No, I didn't. But who could get in? The windows are barred. But the door to the living room was open, and we were all in the dining room anyone could have come in at the front door and walked in here very silently then or we could have heard footsteps from the dining-room but it must have been done that way someone looking in at these windows saw you put the pin in the chair and a few moments later watching his chance sneaked in and stole it then it was pollock or some messenger of his but what can he want of it the whole thing is too mysterious exclaimed lucile let's send for a city detective at once but objected iris what could he do do he could do everything find the murderer find the jewels find the pin good gracious cried iris i don't want the pin in fact i'm glad it's gone now they won't be kidnapping me to get it but i'm going to find the jewels and i'm going to start on a new tack i'm no good at solving mysteries but i can investigate i'm going to chicago whatever for exclaimed lucile i'll go with you no i'm going alone and i'm going because i feel sure i can find out something there i'll see the minister of the church auntie attended and see if she promised him a chalice or if his church has a crypt or if those people she spoke of in her will that firm you know can tell me anything about the receipt that was in the pocket-book she left to win but it wasn't in the pocket-book reminded chapin it was when aunt ursula made that will the murderer took it and mr chapin that lets win out why should he steal a paper that was meant for him anyway he didn't know then that it was left to him did he i don't know that i'm sure but i know win didn't kill aunt ursula and it's awful to keep him shut up i think myself they hardly had enough evidence to arrest him on but hughes thought they did and the district attorney is hard at work on the case now yes hard at work iris spoke scornfully what's he doing i'd like to know these things move slowly iris well i'll do a little quick work then and show them how i'm going to chicago to-morrow and i'll be gone several days but i'll be back as soon as possible and there'll be something doing or i'll know why your energy is all right iris said chapin but a bit misdirected nothing of the sort snapped iris who considered the lawyer an old fogey it's time somebody got busy and i don't take much stock in the local police but about the pin pursued lucile i think you ought to find out who stole it just now iris maybe it was somebody in the house where is purdy purdy cried iris don't suspect him lucile why he is as faithful and honest as i am myself but where was he i don't know and i don't care he wasn't in here stealing the pin perhaps it's still in the chair suggested chapin but it wasn't a careful search showed that and as inquiries proved that purdy and his wife were in the kitchen and agnes had been waiting on iris at her belated dinner there was really no reason to suspect the servants campbell the chauffeur was in the garage and there were no other servants about on sunday the disappearance of the pin was as inexplicable as the murder and iris decided to give up the house mysteries and look in chicago for new light
she started the next day lucile and agnes hovering over her in a solicitude of final preparations i'll take only a suitcase iris declared for i can't be bothered with a trunk i wish you'd let agnes go with you urged lucile who hated to have the girl go alone but iris didn't want to take a maid along and too agnes didn't want to go i'll go if you say so agnes demurred but i'd hate to leave here just now sam is in one of his spells and i ought to look after him oh yes and iris smiled at her that's one word for sam and two for yourself i think that good-looking young man who calls on you has more power to keep you in berrien than poor sam agnes blushed but didn't deny it so iris went to chicago alone she went to a woman's hotel and established herself there then she set out in search of the church that mrs pell used to attend the rector dr stephenson was a kindly courteous old man who received her with a pleasant welcome he well remembered ursula pell and was deeply interested in the mystery of her tragic death it was many years since she had lived in chicago and his definite memories of her were largely concerning the pranks she used to play for even the minister had not been spared her annoying fooleries but he knew nothing of any gift of a jewelled chalice and said he really had no desire for such a thing it would only be a temptation to thieves he asserted and the price of it could be much better expended in some more useful way is there a crypt in your church asked iris abruptly no nothing of the sort or well that is there is a room below the main floor that could be called a crypt i suppose but it is never used as a chapel or for mortuary purposes why iris told him of the entry in her aunt's diary stating that the collection of jewels was in a crypt and dr stephenson smiled not in my church he said of that i'm positive the basement i speak of has no hidden places nor has anybody ever concealed anything there you may search there if you choose but it is useless to my mind it sounds more like a bank vault that might be called a crypt if one chose so to speak of it perhaps said iris disappointed at this fruitless effort i will go to the industrial bank and inquire that is the bank where my aunt kept her money when she lived here the people at the bank were also kind and courteous but not so much at leisure as the rector had been they gave iris no encouraging information they looked up their records and found that mrs pell had had an account with them some years ago but that it had been closed out when she left the city there were no properties of hers of any sort in their custody and no one of their vaults was rented in her name they seemed uninterested in iris's story and after their assurances the girl went away next she went to the firm of craig marsden and company to see if she could trace the receipt that was mentioned in mrs pell's will as being of importance to winston bannard a mr reed attended to her errand a vague description he said smiling as she told him of the will to be sure our books will show the name but it will take some time to look it up however he agreed to investigate the records and iris was told to return the next day to learn results it was a mere chance that the record of sale whatever it might be would be of any definite importance but iris was determined to try every possible way of finding out anything concerning the matter the firm of craig marsden and company was a large jewellery concern and probably the receipt in question was for some precious stones or their settings iris boarded a street-car to return to her hotel 
she sat deeply engrossed in thought over the various difficulties that beset her path when the man who sat next her drew a handkerchief from his pocket abstractedly she noticed the handkerchief it was of silk and had a few lines of blue as a border then suddenly she realized that it was the exact counterpart of the one with which the midnight marauder had tied up her mouth the time he came to get the pin furtively she glanced at the man the burglar had been masked but the size and general appearance of this man were not unlike him then another surreptitious look revealed his features to her and to her surprise she recognized her caller named pollock quickly she turned her own face aside the man had not noticed her and wondered what to do without a doubt it was pollock she was sure of that and the peculiar handkerchief gave her an idea it was the midnight intruder also that they were one and the same she had surmised this before and she now began to join the threads of the story she felt sure that pollock and the burglar and the kidnapper were all one and that pollock was determined to get the pin at any cost and she couldn't believe it was for the reason he had asserted merely as a memento of the dramatic tragedy it had not been this man who drove the little car that carried her away on sunday but the driver as well as the girl called flossie were probably pollock's tools at any rate she concluded to trace pollock and find out something about him when he left the car as he did shortly she rose and followed him he had not glanced at her and was apparently absorbed in thought so she had no difficulty in walking unnoticed behind him she smiled at herself as she realized she was really shadowing and felt quite like a detective pollock went into a small restaurant and iris through the wide window saw him take a seat at a table the deliberation with which he unfolded his napkin and looked over the menu made her assume that he would be there some time acting on the impulse of the moment iris ran to the nearest telephone she could find and called up a detective agency over the wire she stated her desire to employ a detective at once and asked to have him sent to her where she was which was in a drug shop there was a maddening delay and as iris waited she began to fear she had done a foolish thing she suddenly realized that she had acted too quickly and perhaps unadvisedly but she must stand by it now it was half an hour before a man arrived and met her at the door of the drug shop i am mr dayton he said from the agency is this miss clyde yes said iris and please hurry i've just got on the track of a man who is a a burglar ma'am and the detective looked sharply at this young girl who had called him to her yes and iris grew impatient at his doubtful interest now don't stop to parley but catch him where is he he's in a restaurant half a block away i don't mean for you to arrest him but trail him shadow him or whatever you call it and find out who he is and what sort of a character he bears if he's a correct and decent citizen all right if he's a man who might be a burglar i want to know it now fly wait a minute miss clyde tell me more how shall i know him oh he's at the table by the first front window as you go from here he's a tall man and a strong-looking one come on i'll point him out they went toward the restaurant and cautiously iris looked in at the window but her quarry had fled there was no one at the table at all come on in she cried to the bewildered dayton no that won't do he mustn't see me you go in and get the waiter who served him or the proprietor or somebody and find out who the man was who ate at that table just now maybe he's still in the coat room iris stepped around a corner and dayton went in on his errand 
but the waiter had no knowledge of the patron's name he said he had never seen him before to his knowledge but he was a new waiter there and the captain might know however neither the head waiter nor the cashier nor indeed any one about the place knew the man a few remembered seeing him but the waiters at nearby tables if they had noticed him didn't know his name one waiter said he thought he had seen him before but wasn't sure the man was gone and no one knew which direction he had taken from the restaurant iris was disheartened at the report of her emissary if you'd only got here sooner she reproached the detective did my best he assured her describe your man more accurately but iris couldn't seem to think of any very distinguishing characteristics that fitted him his name is pollock she said and he's a collector oh wait i do know something more he's in the hardware business for himself or with a firm i don't know then i fear miss clyde were wasting time in looking for a person so vaguely identified if you say so i can go over the hardware people for a pollock but it will be an unsatisfactory and expensive process i don't want that and iris looked perplexed oh i don't know what i do want but it's maddening to see him and then have him get away he's also a collector ah that helps a collector of what of mementos of crimes of what it sounds silly i know but he told me so not exactly crimes more of prominent people like a pencil that belonged to president garfield and such things oh a freak i hoped you meant a prominent collector of valuable things then we might trace him no he collects queer things it is a sort of harmless mania i think well if we can't find him we can't how much do i owe you this matter was adjusted and iris turned disconsolately back to her hotel she had accomplished nothing on her chicago trip and unless the craig people could give her information of importance there was no use prolonging her visit the rest of that day and the morning of the next she spent in the vicinity of the restaurant hoping pollock would return but she didn't see him and in the afternoon she went back to craig marsden and company mr reed greeted her pleasantly but he had no important information we've many records of sales to mrs pell he related and if you desire i can give you a memorandum of them presumably she had receipts in every case but as i do not know the particular receipt you want i can't offer you any data concerning it what are the transactions asked iris jewels she bought yes and setting and engraving mrs pell had a great deal of engraving done what sort of engraving on silver or gold trinkets and ornaments oh yes i know all her silver has not only initials but names and dates and sometimes quotations or lines of poetry yes and she was most particular about that work it was always done by our best engraver and unless it just suited her we were treated to her finest sarcasm mrs pell was a wealthy and extravagant patron but not affable or easy to please i know that but she was a remarkable woman and a strong character often has peculiar ways i am heir to half her fortune and that gives me a sense of obligation that will never be cancelled until i have avenged my aunt's death iris did not tell this man about the missing jewels for it seemed of no use but they discussed at length the jewels that he knew that mrs pell had possessed and iris was amazed at the size and value of the amount really she exclaimed do you know that my aunt had such an enormous fortune as that in gems i know that she had at the time of her dealings with us 
that was ten years ago or so but then we had the handling of more than a million dollars worth and i know she added to her store after that oh where are they cried iris forgetting her determination not to discuss this matter here do you mean to say you don't know exclaimed mr reed astounded so iris told him about the will what an extraordinary tale he commented as she finished i wish i could help you out i'm sure now no receipt of ours would be of importance in and of itself it must have had a memorandum scribbled on it or something of that sort yes agreed iris thoughtfully that must be it in that case the murderer wanted it because it told where the jewels are hidden and he has already secured them oh no mr reed's interest was so sincere that iris told him a little more she told him of the pin and of her being kidnapped in an attempt to get it you are in danger reed said warningly until they get what they want you will continue to be molested it isn't the pin that's too absurd but they're after something that has to do with the secret of the hiding-place of those jewels on that you may depend but couldn't the pin have some bearing on that i can't imagine any way that it could the idea of its being made of radium is ridiculous the idea of its being a weight or a measure is silly too and how else could it be indicative no the pin part of the performance is a ruse the thieves are after something else if they stole the receipt in question it was as i said because there were instructions on it your man pollock is doubtless the head of the gang he's no important collector or i should know of him and probably his whole collection story was a falsehood he read of the pin in the paper and used that to distract your mind from what he really was after very likely and iris sighed what would you advise me to do it's too big a case for a layman's advice and pardon me too big a case for a young girl to manage oh i know that i've a very good lawyer and the police are at work but nobody seems able to accomplish anything i hope and trust somebody will said reed heartily that lot of jewels is too big a loot for crooks to get hold of i'd be sorry indeed to learn they have done so iris went away and as her work in chicago was done she decided to start at once for home entering the hotel she found a telegram from lucille darrell it read come home at once i've engaged f s and he will arrive to-morrow now f s meant the great detective fleming stone End of chapter twelve